Welcome to another episode in a series of conversations at the Greenhouse Gas Management Institute. This time we're joined by a special guest from a project location in Seoul, South Korea. Hi, this is Don Bain coming to you from Seoul, South Korea. I'm here with Dr. Michael Gillardmutter and our new friend and colleague, Mr. Philip Gass. Philip, good to see you. Thanks, Don. It's a pleasure to be with you today and talk a little bit about some carbon policy. I wish you would, but why don't you take a moment and uh, tell our listeners about you. Sure. Uh, my name is Philip Gass. I've been with the International Institute for Sustainable Development for six years. For the first five years of those, I worked in Canada at our Winnipeg office, and then last February I moved to Geneva, working primarily on green economy issues and carbon pricing policy as well. Awesome. So you uh, you get around is what you're telling me. I do a little bit of travel, yeah. <laughs> so so what, uh, what brings you here? Well, I'm working with GHGMI on a project uh, this week where we're developing some policy guides and modules on, on green growth and green economy, and I'm working on the energy module, uh, helping out uh, some of our GGI colleagues to develop some learning materials. It's awesome. Is that, um, is that the, your field of interest? Is that where your passion comes from, energy? Yeah, I've worked on energy issues uh, dating back to before my time at IISD. I worked in the, the Manitoba, Canada legislature as a policy researcher on energy issues, primarily hydroelectricity, also Aboriginal relations as well. Wow. Uh, so you're living in Europe now. How has that changed how you think about Canada policy? Does it help? It's a, You definitely get a different perspective and you get a little bit of separation from things. So the, the day-to-day issues don't don't catch you as much. But it was uh, interesting following the election uh, last October as, a, as an expat and uh, very interesting to see kind of the different positions that, that parties were having without without it being kind of in my face all the time. Well, could you give us an indication of where things are going? You know, we often refer to... Uh, initiatives in, in Canada. For example, we spent some time on the uh, British Columbia uh, carbon tax and uh, as a way to, you know, show some leadership. So uh, tell us more. Sure. Well, this this election was really interesting. It, uh, there was, for those who aren't familiar, the Liberal Party won the election after 10 years of being in opposition, replaced the Conservative Party. And it's going to lead to a pretty big uh, substantial change in the way that climate change policy is addressed in Canada. The Liberal government is committed to a continent-wide carbon tax, which will be pretty substantial, which is a pretty big departure from the previous government. So it'll be really interesting to see how they're able to do that, because as you know, you've talked about the BC carbon tax, and Canada's got a whole bunch of subnational initiatives as well, and so the big challenge is going to be bringing together the BC carbon tax and carbon trading in Ontario and Quebec and some of the other approaches uh, all together under one, uh, one carbon price. Wow, that's uh, that's ambitious and exciting. What's the time frame? They've said that they've got 90 days to uh, get a framework together with the provinces. They were at the COP and, and made that announcement. So sometime end of March, early April, they'll uh, announce probably a memorandum of understanding to start to dig through the issue. And, uh, and from there, they'll probably look to have something in place by the end of the year. Hi, Philip. Uh, it's Michael. Uh, one question that uh, I think, or, or one one uh, factor that might be useful for our listeners to know about, is uh, the structure of the Canadian government. The and the fact that the provinces have so much 
power within within Canada's federal system that might be a little bit different than a lot of other countries that folks are from? Sure, it's it goes back. Canada's a federal system with uh, provinces, uh, which are similar to states in the U.S., and then a federal government as well. But what's unique is that the the provinces, since Canada was formed, maintain responsibility over over their energy resources, particularly. And while Environment Canada, the federal government maintains control over air policy. Okay. And so typically, what they've done is. The federal government will set standards or set uh, whether it's a greenhouse gas standard or price standard, but the provinces have enough power to basically be able to say, well, look, we're going to do our own policy to be able to meet that. And typically the federal government says, well, as long as you meet a certain standard, you can certainly go beyond it, but it's up to the provinces to determine the actual way they're going to do that. How did that impact their strategy at COP? Did they have to bring all of the provinces along for those discussions? Actually, yeah, most of the provinces did uh, end up attending the COP. Uh, we, uh, IISD does some work with the Canadian provinces. Uh, we briefed them on some of the COP issues uh, ahead of the event. And there were, I'm trying to think now, there were at least four or five premiers that were there, and then some extra ministers as well. For those who don't know, there's ten provinces and three territories in Canada. And uh, almost everybody was there uh, in terms of the premiers, which is very unique. It was the first time that's ever happened, and it was... It was the two levels of government really trying to show solidarity and work together. That's awesome. So um, this national carbon tax, was that part of the commitment that the country is making? The federal government committed to, uh, did commit to a national carbon price in their, uh, in, in their election platform. It may, may not be a tax. It may be a tax. They've still got to figure that out. But um, they did commit to it, so the provinces knew ahead of time that, look, this national price is going to come. And for a lot of the provinces, they actually welcome it because roughly 80% of Canadians already live in a jurisdiction that has some form of carbon price. Uh, you've got the BC carbon tax, you've got an Alberta, uh, Alberta carbon tax coming into place, and then you've got carbon trading in Ontario and Quebec and coming up soon Manitoba. So I think what the, the provinces like is that they'll like to see some, some uniformity across the, across the system while still being able to run their systems. So did they announce an actual price or just the fact that there was going to be a price? They haven't announced a price and they've announced that there's going to be a price and what they've, uh, they purposely did that because they didn't want to presuppose policy and um, the price is different right now in all the different provinces. In BC, it's thirty dollars, for instance. While in Quebec, it's about fourteen or fifteen. Uh, that's so these Canadian are dollars. Canadian dollars per yeah. ton. Yes, exactly. And right now, the Canadian dollar is uh, worth about sixty-nine cents uh, to the U.S. dollar. Okay. For a little bit of perspective, uh, and then the other element is that Quebec, for instance, links its carbon trading system with California. So the federal government has said, we're not going to tell you necessarily what the price is up front, but we're going to tell you we're going to put one in place, and they're going to negotiate what that price is over the next year. Wow. Okay. In terms of, uh, you know, rank-and-file citizens, is this uh, something that's new, or, or is the population generally up to speed with this? It's been a contentious issue in the past. There was, during the 2011 election, there was a commitment for a national carbon tax, and it got a lot of opposition. But I think people have come a long way. Uh, our understanding of the issues has grown since 2011, so that in 2015 it wasn't nearly the issue that it was. And then, as I said, for, for a lot of Canadians, they already live with it, whether in B.C. you pay the carbon tax when you buy your gasoline. In Ontario and Quebec, uh, heavy emitters pay it uh, through purchasing carbon credits. For some people, it is new, and there's some apprehension. How much will it cost me when I go to buy my gasoline? And so I think that's why the 
different levels of government are being very careful in how they roll it out. So what does this mean for carbon professionals, carbon accounting and reporting professionals? Well, the biggest issue we're dealing with in Canada is really the, the measurement, reporting, verification issue and the transparency. And how do you compare a ton to a ton? So if you've got a carbon tax in BC, that's $30. How does that really compare to a carbon trading system in Quebec that's charging about 14 or 15 and maybe the coverage is a little different. So the big question Canadians are going to wrestle with this year is how to put a system in place that sets a national standard and knowing what that standard is going to be and, and how the various provinces are going to contribute to it. So when you say standard, you're referring to a standard method, for example, for calculating what a ton is? Yeah. Standard emission factors, so forth? Yeah, the, the, stand, the emission factors are, are pretty much a given. It'll be more what level they set the price standard at. I don't think that they'll set, for example, a requirement that each sector has to reduce by a certain set number of tons. What they might say, for instance, is that in the cement sector, uh, your provincial system has to meet the same amount of reductions as a $15 per ton carbon tax would meet. And if a province isn't willing to meet that standard, or if their provincial system doesn't doesn't meet that standard yet, and they're not willing to they're not willing to expand it, then the, the challenge then the, the threat will be from the federal government that you'll just have to adopt a federal carbon tax. So that's where the where the kind of the standard comes into play. And then if the provincial system exceeds it, then all the better. And then and then uh, the federal government's just happy to see those extra reductions. So how does it affect your work? What's 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 new and different for you? The big difference really for us has been the uh, the positive attitude that's come on carbon pricing just over the last three or four months. It was a topic that really, for the past few years, uh, particularly since the 2011 election I mentioned, that had become a bit uh, difficult to talk about. It wasn't very politically acceptable and it was very tough for people in my line of work to be able to, to work because there wasn't a lot of guidance on what policy is going to be like. Since the election, it's been a much more positive, positive reception not just on carbon pricing, but on a number of issues, renewable energy development, fossil fuel subsidy reform. The new government has signaled that they're willing to talk about these issues and they're willing to listen to some guidance from people in our sector as well. So while we're still waiting to see what the policy is exactly going to look like, the uh, people are very happy that it's just a more positive policy atmosphere. Good job. Well, what would you like to what would you like our listeners to know about this? I think that what's really interesting for Canada, whether you're in a North American audience or a global audience, is that it's a bit of a policy lab in that we've got a carbon tax that's been working for several years now. We've got emissions trading that's working across international borders between Quebec and California. We've got the Alberta system, which incorporates a technology fund for renewable energy. And now we've got this federal system that's going to try and wrap it all up together. So it's a really interesting case study for anybody looking at studying carbon pricing because you can go to one country and get an example of almost any system that's out there. That's good. I would imagine you're developing some expertise with uh, people who have solved some of these problems at least once before. Yeah, we actually, it's interesting with ISD, we get requests from whether it's South Africa or whether it's countries in uh, in Asia that... Uh, for you know, what might a carbon tax do in my jurisdiction, or what might it do versus trading, and we can we can go back to our our roots uh, for Canada uh, for ISD in Canada and look at these case studies that we've been doing for several years now. Excellent. Well, that was fun. Uh, I uh, I can't wait to uh, check in with you and uh, perhaps later this year and, and see how things are unfolding.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on, and I appreciate it very much. It's been a blast. Thank you, Philip. Talk to you soon. So long, Michael. As always, we welcome your feedback, questions, and suggestions for future conversations. Reach us at podcast at ghginstitute.org. 